We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Jordan Foote joining me as always. Josh Kaiser uh, ditched us on vacation, so uh, he will not be with us, with, with us this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, Jordan, your Miami Heat in the NBA Finals, never a doubt, right? Yeah, never a doubt, man. I You could look at my timeline up and down, you can scrub that shit, and you would never find a negative Miami Heat tweet from me. Um, in all seriousness, man, every time I think I'm out on that team, they do something to bring me back, and it's always something great. And Jimmy Butler is awesome, and Spoh's obviously a great coach. Um, you can listen to me and Joel's NBA podcast if you want more analysis on that. But man, I'm happy to be there um, in the NBA Finals, and I'm happy to be here chopping it up with you. Yeah, my my gut reaction, uh, initial gut reaction to the Nuggets Heat NBA Finals was Nuggets in five. Mm. I'm lean. I'm starting to lean Heat the more I'm reading into man. it, and I don't want to give you that hope, but. That's that's just what I'm saying, and I'm a very 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 casual NBA fan. So, well, my opinion, my opinion means basically nothing. So, it's all good. Our uh, producer Nick said Nuggets in three in the chat, and that that's fairly accurate. Like I'm thinking Nuggets in five. Like I'm giving the Heat one. Either Jokic doesn't show up or Jimmy Butler does in a big way. Like I'll give them one yeah. game. I I don't personally uh, think the Heat have nearly enough to compete right now, but. I've been wrong about them all postseason. I didn't know if they'd make the playoffs. I thought they'd lose in the first round. I thought they'd lose in the second round. thought they'd choke to Boston. Um, so I, I've been dead wrong about this team all along. You know, and so is a lot of the national media. So sure. you're, not, you're not, along in there, not, not alone in that. Uh, we got a lot of baseball stuff to talk about, a lot of Royal stuff uh, this week, some fun stuff. And actually a few, like, it's a mostly positive episode for the most part. Like, there's not a ton that's really been hampering us this week, which has been nice. I mean, they got whacked by uh, the Tigers midweek, but, yeah. you know, then you and the Nationals to start to start the weekend. But a great start to the two-game set in St. Louis, which gives us a lot to talk about in here. Before we do that, the show, as always, brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. 
be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. Day one sponsor here at KCSN. We can't thank them enough for that support. The biggest story from yesterday, the Royals won 7-0, probably the most complete game that they played uh, all season long with the pitching on point, the hitters were were going, defense was solid. Every It was one of the best wins of the year by far. And it took the Royals to 17-38 and 38 on the year, so uh, shout-out to the 2015 Royals for that. Uh, the season I, I tweeted that the season starts today. Uh, with that, like we gotta just start, like the the first fifty some odd games irrelevant. They're, they're seventeen and thirty eight. Season starts today. the The coolest thing from yesterday was the combination of Josh Stalmont, who opened the game, and then Mike Mayers, uh, who was the Costco guy uh, for the game, took a perfect game into the eighth inning. Uh, it was broken up then, but for seven perfect innings. Uh, it was it was on there for a little bit, but the minute that Bob Nightingale and MLB started talking about it is when the no-hitter was broken up, as is tradition. But it was really good to see the pitching come together, and they, they got a shutout. Taylor Clark comes in in relief from Mike Mayers in the eighth, cleans things up, and then Amir Garrett a clean ninth, and you get, you get a shutout of a Cardinals offense while up and down has been better the last couple of weeks. But the big story to me is, is Mike Mayers, a mm-hmm. guy that was – essentially just a reclamation project type a veteran that had struggled the last couple of years with the angels. You, you didn't really know what you were going to get. He was a, a non-roster invitee to spring training gets assigned to minor league camp, spends the first month in triple a and comes up for a spot start. And since then 1.35 ERA and 13 and a third one actual start in which he set a career high in strikeouts and then two Costco outings, the bulk outing uh, on the back end of an opener, in which he's been really solid. 14 strikeouts, five walks, and I think four of those walks were in that first out. So mm-hmm. really cleaned it up over the last couple. 3-2-9 FIP, so he's getting a lucky, so to speak. So there's going to be some regression there, but it's not like there's it's that drastic of a difference. It's a much-needed thing for the Royals. I don't think he's going to be a full-time starter moving forward. I can imagine that he is the the bulk guy in these bullpen days. And if he's able to give you five, six innings, which he's done the last couple of times he's done that, it's huge for this rotation. And I, it is a testament to what the Royals have been able to build on the pitching side in just one offseason to be able to get a guy that has had some significant struggles the last season, season and a half. And it's not like he's fixed, but you're seeing like the fruits of the labor that the pitching side has put together, uh, you know, very quickly. here. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And really a lot of it is holding up like the walks per nine, the strikeouts per nine, the uh, fastball velocity, the average exit velocity, stuff like that is holding with his career average. You're like, okay, this is the same guy who was getting beat up for lack of a better term, in the minor leagues with the Royals and has been getting beat up in the recent past outside of a good 2020. Um, I believe he was with Los Angeles. Is that sound yeah, right? Yeah, he was back then? with the Angels at the time. Yeah, yeah. And did really well. Um, but then you do a deeper dive. The ground ball rate is way up. The home runs per nine, the home run rate just in general, is way down. I think you can trace a lot of the progress to... He's going to the four-seamer far less. Compared to last year, it's down 15%. Yes, that was the first thing I noticed. Yeah, the, the four-seam usage is way down. He's given up a, an 083 batting average 
Um, they're not making good contact on it. The sinker is up 12%. Opponents are hitting better off that. His slider is also getting two more inches of horizontal or uh, vertical movement rather compared to the 2022 average. And you think that's not a big difference. Then you look at the chart and you see how high up that spiked compared to last year. Um, his slider is looking better. The four seamer is looking better. He's looking better as a result. And like, I still think personally, I don't really believe it's going to last. And I think, um, I believe it was Lesky that said he's probably just going to mop up stuff for about a month and then fade away perhaps. And I could totally see that, but in a long season where the Royals have been banged up already this year, they could use that length out of the bullpen. They could use a guy who could be an opener as needed. They could use a veteran presence and he's been giving them all that. So regardless of how long he stays or how um, legitimate these improvements are, I think Mike Mayers is really helping out this team right now. I alluded to it briefly, but this was not something that the Royals have had success with the last few years, especially with the previous regime. They would go and sign guys like this, like reclamation projects or guys that have just struggled trying to bounce back, and they would either stay the same or get worse. I, I don't have a, an example off the top of my head. It's just what we've seen. And it feels, and it, this is not me trying to compare the two because we haven't seen it for long enough yet, but it is very raise-ish, like raise-adjacent where you get a guy that has really just struggled brutally the previous year, year and a half. You bring him in on a cheap deal. You make him, you know, he can go to AAA for a little bit or to stash him in the bullpen while he figures things out. And then looks like a guy that a perfectly viable big league pitcher. And while not lighting the world on fire and it's just 13 and a third innings, it's just not something we're used to seeing from the Royals. So that gives me hope for the future. It may, and we've talked about it before, a lot of the pitching issues right now, it's a talent issue, not necessarily a coaching issue, because we're seeing it work at the minor league level. But to see it for a guy like this that had a near 6 ERA last year, yeah, 5.68 ERA for the Angels last year, down to 1.35, he's cut down on the walks precipitously since that first outing. He's striking dudes out, he's a solid, effective pitcher, and they seem to figure out the mix for him and it's closer back to what he was doing in 2020, where he threw his slider almost 40% of the time, the fastball at yeah. 33%. And then he comes in this year, or last year, spider, the slider drops, fastball spikes, and he's not having success. They just get him back to what he was doing before. Slider at 32%, slider, or fastball 31%, and it's working for him. So it is, it is very nice to see because it gives me some hope of what the Royals can do in the future as well, not only with guys in their own organization, but finding guys like this that have really good stuff that can play at the big league level, it's just a matter of finding the right mix, finding the right coaching, and ultimately something is clicking for him right now. I don't know how sustainable it is, but it is a welcome sight uh, for not just this year, but beyond. Yeah, and the thing with that is, even if it isn't sustainable over the course of a full season or if the Royals were in a playoff mode and they got to the postseason and he wasn't that guy, those little bits add up. If you can find four or five guys throughout the year that can give you something like Mike Myers is giving this team right now, even if it is for two or three weeks, that can give you three, four, five more wins over the course of the season. And that's the difference between 86 wins and 90 wins or 80 and 84 or 84 and 88, something like that. Even 70 and 74, these are on the margins where all the little things add up. And this, I think right now, regardless of how long it lasts, counts as doing the little things right and tweaking things with a guy. 
Um, who knows if he will? We always talk about the counterpunch, and if the league's going to adjust to him, then what's going to happen and how sustainable it is? We don't know what the answer to that is. I'm going to say probably not a good one just because of the career pedigree and what he's been yeah. doing this year in AAA. But again, even if it's for a few weeks, it's good for the Royals, and it definitely, on a macro scale, uh, gives some more hope for the future, I think, in that that pitching development and the scouting and kind of being able to um, identify guys like that. Absolutely. Another guy that, since the calendar has turned to May, has turned into a completely different hitter, a completely different player. A guy that we, at the end of April, talked about probably needs to go down to Omaha. Like it, and it's not closing the book on him. It's just there needs to be an adjustment because whatever's going on at the big league level is just not working. And that's Michael Massey, who at the end of, uh, let me find, I had a tweet on this earlier today. Uh, follow me at JT Penfield for all, all of this stuff. But Michael Massey from opening day to April 30th, this 81 plate appearances, slash a buck 67, buck 73, buck 69. Horrible. Striking out almost 39%, was walking just 1.2%. I think that was two walks the entire month. A zero, a point zero one three ISO. And a negative 14 weighted runs created plus. So 114% worse than league average. It was just dead weight in the lineup. And we saw a lot of that was pretty much the entire lineup that first month mm-hmm. of the year, just really yeah. trying to find their footing. Calendars turned to May, and it's the same amount of plate appearances, 81 from May 1st to yesterday, May 29th. Uh, the game is in progress right now, so I'm not going to try and do the math and add in all it. Michael Massey slashed 324, 420, 544, striking out 25% of the time, so cut his strikeout rate by almost 13%, walking 11%. He's already surpassed his walk total from last season already in 48 games. He played 52 games last year, walked nine times. He has 10 already this year. 221 ISO and a 166 weighted runs created plus. Now, is Michael Massey the player? And now, what we're going to see in June is that the Michael Massey from April or the Michael Massey from May, probably going to be somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. But this is a month where you can see the legitimate adjustments being made and him starting to figure things out, have better at bats. He's still going to have swing and miss. He's still going to be an aggressive hitter. But it seems like they've been able to kind of put the reins on it a little bit have a more clear plan at the plate. And you see that in the walk rate. You see that in the swing decisions. You see that in the ability to barrel more balls up. He has another hit tonight, 108 miles an hour uh, to right field. This is closer to the guy that I think is the second baseman of the future in Kansas City, uh, not just beyond like beyond this year. I don't expect him to be a 320 hitter. If, they, if this is the holy crap Michael Massey breakout, then I mean, we're looking at a future also. I don't think he's that. But he plays a really solid second base. That has always been his calling card. Won a gold glove in the minor leagues. But he's walking more than I ever thought he would. If he's able to keep that strikeout rate around 24% like it is right now, perfectly manageable. He's got legit power, especially he can he can run into quite a few, but mm-hmm. he hits a lot. He's gonna hit a lot of doubles. He's gonna hit the ball hard. It's just a matter of getting into advantageous counts to make that happen. And he's been able to do that. So this is a very welcome sight for a Royals offense that needs another guy. You're seeing guys really start to put it together. Nick Prado, Salvi, obviously, Vinny. Bobby's starting to put together some good at-bats lately. This is just another guy 
uh, in what I think is going to be a really formidable offense moving forward if they continue on this path. Yeah, and and in that first month and one day of the season versus May, he's still hitting the ball oppo the exact same amount, 22.4%. The difference is he's pulling it 17% more often, and that's really helping him. He's also driving the ball for power. The average exit velocity is up five miles per hour. Very considerable difference. The launch angle oh, yeah. is up. The barrel rate's up 6%. The hard hit rate is up 9%. The line drive rate's up 5%. Like Michael Massey, he's seeing the ball better, but he's also making better swing decisions. You would think, okay, well, he's hitting the ball a lot harder. He's probably striking out more, too, and getting cocky. He's actually striking out way less, and he's being more selective. He's walking a ton more, as you mentioned, Joel. He is playing a much more developed and mature brand of baseball and growing into that power we saw in spring training. And everyone said, okay, well, maybe this is a new Michael Massey that bulked up a little bit, put on some weight, is going to be able to drive the ball. Now it's happening. And everyone was quick to write him off. And I was too saying, okay, he needs to go down and be in Omaha and make these changes. This, and we'll talk about uh, Alex Zumwalt uh, and the the hitting development program at the big league level later on in the show, this is showing that they can make these adjustments and help these guys notice what's going wrong in season. And for a young player like Michael Massey to make the changes he's made, take them in stride and come out on the other side better, even if he doesn't have a 166 weighted runs created plus or whatever it's going to be the rest yeah. of the way, if he can settle in around 100 for the rest of the season, he's going to be there at the end of the year because it's going to balance out. He's going to have decent numbers. I think that Michael Massey can be a league average hitter. That's not asking too much. I believe that when he first came up with his defense and his profile, the Royals will take that because he's young, he's controllable, he's a good player. Um, I think he can be a fine second baseman for a long time in the big leagues. A slow start didn't change my mind on that, and this recent stretch isn't going to kind of bring me over the top with him. Um, But... It definitely is very surprising that he bounced back in this manner. I thought he'd heat up, but not nearly this much. And frankly, it is a uh, very pleasant surprise for the Royals. It absolutely is. And just looking at, at Fangrass here, so he played 52 games last year mm-hmm. and had four home runs and 17 RBIs. And through 48 games this year, obviously a little buoyed by his recent hot streak, but he has now has four home runs and 17 RBIs on the season, starting matching last year's total. And his numbers aren't too far out of line with where he was last year in 194 plate appearances, slash 243, 307, 376. This year, 240, 296, 349. And those numbers are coming up because of what he's been able to do over the last month. 93 weighted runs created plus last year. It's 76 right now. But you remember, it was negative 14 after the first month. So he bad. had some, yeah. some serious work to do. Steamer has him projected for around an 88 weighted runs created plus. Uh, he's nearly matched his war total. And think about mm-hmm. that with the terrible start. That's that's a testament to the defense. Projected for another .6 war, so a little over a one, probably a one and a half one player. That is perfectly manageable for second base. You know, he's. I think he's going to be a guy that hits around 240, 250, but if he can pop you 15 to 20 homers, which I don't think mm-hmm. is out of the realm of possibility, plays elite defense, is around a league average hitter, and that, that's a guy that can man second base for a very long time, especially with the guys that are around him right now that can drive the ball just as well, if not better. Yep, totally with you on that. All right, we're going to take our first break, and we will be right back after this. 
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. We are back, and another guy that made his uh, 2023 debut this year was Daniel Lynch after coming back from a shoulder injury in spring training. A few solid outings in uh, in Omaha and Northwest Arkansas to get ready. Came back on Sunday through five and a third. Gave up a couple runs, six strikeouts, three walks. Uh, for what Daniel Lynch has been, in his career to this point. It's a perfectly good way to start. You want to see the walks come down a little, but not going to hammer the guy too much for making it his first big league outing. The slider is as good as I've seen it. Uh, his fastball played just fine. He has a lot of confidence in the changeup, which is good to see uh, that he's not just relying fastball slider. He's throwing his slider 32% of the time. He threw a 30 of his 90 some odd pitches. So that's, that's nice to see. I, I don't have. I, I'm not going to try and have too high of expectations. At least right now, it's one start. He's coming back off a shoulder injury, but if he gives you that every fifth day, five maybe six innings, around that, you know, a strikeout per inning and walks one maybe two guys, uh, that that is much needed in this rotation right now. And I think that he can, I think he can prove something and prove that he can be a part of the future of the rotation, not the the ace type that we maybe thought he could be when he was still a prospect, but proved to be a solid big leaguer at this point. And if you get that out of him, I mean, that's that's a win for the Royals. Totally. And, and we talked about Daniel Lynch coming into the year as a guy that out of the rotation, him and Chris Bubich could benefit from some new direction as much as anybody and benefit from new pitching coach in there and, and new leadership and someone else in his ear kind of telling him some uh, tips that he can use, giving him some tips he can use, giving him some pointers. And the injury, yeah, it kind of threw it off a little bit. 
Um, but in this first start, the four seam slider combined for 70% of his pitch usage. That's about close to where I'd think it would be. Um, 14 whiffs, nine of them on those two pitches, 45% whiff rate on 21 changeups. That was a fifth of his total pitches that he threw um, were changes. And then the spin rates on his fastball slider and curve were all up year over year. Again, guys, this is one start, and those numbers are going to change a ton. We're no longer in the small sample size realm for the team, but for a guy that just got back, we absolutely still are. Daniel Lynch could be hot for a month, and I'd still kind of be ready to pump the brakes a little bit, but this is the exact opposite of what it could have been in his first start of the year. It could always be worse, which is, you know, especially for the Royals, something that's their reality more often than not. Um, But for Daniel Lynch to get back off an injury that wasn't an easy one, he did have to work back pretty tough from it, um, go through a decent rehab stint and an assignment. This was about as good of news as you could get, I think. He he does need to keep the walks down. It is a work in progress. Um, He wasn't perfect. He wasn't extremely sharp. But when you're throwing, he just needs a passable four-seamer. He needs the slider to be on and then to trust to change up. That's a three that... Even guys like Brady Singer, he hasn't been able to fully trust the three this year yet. Um, Last year, he he showed kind of flashes of it. The Royals don't have a lot of guys that have complete trust in three pitches. If he has that, even without the fastball being great, that can be a pretty lethal uh, number two, number three type guy for the Royals. He doesn't have to be an ace. That's okay. He just needs to save his prospect profile um, that he started off with and be a definite long-term piece in the rotation and that first start kind of put him back on track to do that. Absolutely. One thing that I noticed, I wasn't able to tune into the start until I I caught it this morning, uh, looking at, or the other day, uh, you know, on the, on MLB after the game, because I don't have Bally. So I got to watch all games after the fact. It's a lot of fun. Um, There is a very clear plan with his pitching, the usage in the heat maps. His fastball, top of the zone. Slider, down and in. And the changeup, away to righties. And that's almost exactly where all of these are. Some, you know, hangers here and there. But if he spins it really well, sometimes that's going to happen and you're still going to be able to get away with it. He throws, He's throwing the slider. And this was noticed in his AAA outings as well because of the StatCast data available. He's throwing his slider with about 200 more RPMs of spin. Yep. So it's breaking even sharper, which is really nice to see for him. Uh, sometimes the thing just wouldn't spin enough, and it when it doesn't spin enough, it's going to hang right in the zone. Gives it a little more downward tilt, plays with the fastball nicely, and I again, I think the confidence in the changeup right away too, was really telling to me. Seeing he threw it twenty one times, and he got some really ugly swings on it uh, with it fading away, and he he got away a few times throwing it kind of up in the zone like a like a Lucas Giolito or Chris Bubich would do at times, where it has enough shape to it and enough arm side run that you can throw it up a little bit and still get a swing. I I hope that he is able to stick to that plan because it seemed to have wor- it seemed to work. Uh we'll know again when he goes on Saturday against the Rockies, uh, if he's able to replicate what he did in this first outing, but some positive signs for sure for for Daniel Lynch and uh, hope that he's able to to stack a few of those and make us feel like we got another guy in the rotation every fifth day that we can feel pretty good about. At least he can give the Royals a chance to win. They're not going to win every start, 
but at least give keep the Royals in a game to where they have the opportunity. Better than the alternative, dude. And uh, I'm not going to name some of the alternatives, but man, you uh, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Lord and Giles, right? Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving on here, we had I had the incredible opportunity to sit down with uh, Royals hitting coach Alex Zumwalt at the stadium on Saturday afternoon before or Saturday morning before the afternoon game. Uh, it's about a 15, 20 minute conversation. We talk everything from philosophy and process at the big league level. Uh, talked about some of his career uh, and some you know, fun stories from the minor leagues and love of the game and, and all that. We got some really good stuff in there. Uh, I, I'm very fortunate for the Royals to give me the opportunity to do that. And hopefully we'll have more things like this for you guys as the season rolls on. But without further ado, uh, let's get into our conversation with Alex Zumwalt. There'll be a break on the other side of that. And then we'll have our minor league report and we'll get out of here. We are so thankful to be joined today by the Director of Hitting Performance and Major League Hitting Coach for the Kansas City Royals, Alex Zumwalt. Thank you so much for sitting down with me before the game today to, to talk a little hitting for a little bit. Oh, sounds great. I'm glad to be here. All right, so we'll we'll start with kind of a, a broad topic that's got a, a range of outcomes, but how do you define what a good at bat is? Because there there's so many different things you can do in baseball correctly and still line out to the center field or whatever, or a, a seven or eight pitch at bat. How do you define that? Because there's so many different outcomes you can have day to day. That's a really good question. Um, more than anything else, I think a really good at bat is when you have a plan and you execute that plan, whatever it may be. And every single hitter has a different plan. You know, we create a lot of uh, scattering reports and advanced reports for the hitters, but they're all individually based. We have a plan for the team. We have um, individual conversations for those players to execute that plan. And truthfully, that's that's what's a good at bat. You know, the result is the result. And we can't, and this isn't a video game, you can't steer the ball. Once it's off the bat, it's it's over. Uh, if you're swung at the right pitch that you were looking for in the right zone, that's a quality at bat for me. Uh, years ago, we used to actually keep track of quality at bats. Uh, I got rid of that personally. Uh, me and Drew Saylor and Keone and, and, and Toes had a lot of conversations around it. I don't understand how having a quality at bat result-wise is um, does anything for the hitter other than say, hey, great job, you had a quality at bat. It's just the same as having a pat on the butt, right? It's not right. really saying anything, but... If you know you executed your your plan when you went up there, you swung at the right pitches, you didn't swing at the pitches the pitcher was trying to get you swing at, whatever that outcome is, it doesn't matter as long as you executed your personal plan. How do you get a guy to continue to mentally know that the process was correct when, say, they go 0 for 4 with four hard hit balls? That obviously they see you can see the the batting average and whatever else on the scoreboard and you see you're 0 for 4. How do you keep a guy knowing, like, I'm doing the right things the results just aren't there right now. That's another really good question, and that comes down to the individual. Every in, every individual, when they go through one of those stretches, uh, has to deal with it differently, right? But at the end of the day, the resulting, where they're trying to chase the hits, never leads to production, and it never needs leads to the good at-bats. And actually, it, it's very counterintuitive because then it takes away from their plan. Now they just start swinging at something just because i got to put a ball in play and give myself a chance. I need a blooper. No, you don't. You need to you need to look for solid contact. You know, over the course of the entire season, 162 games, that's the message that we're trying to convey to them is that hey, in this 40 at bat stretch right here, and it happened to Vinny over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. He had some good at bats, swung at the right pitches, hit him hard. My hit. I mean, in San Diego, it, it, the first baseman stole several balls away from him and almost took another one away on the ball that hit off the bag that actually did you know go in his favor. But 
the point is you've got to just continue that process. And I think that I had a, I had a coach years ago uh, tell me that, you know, the really good players are actually boring because they keep doing the same thing all the time yeah. because they know it works and they don't veer from that. And I think that's the message we're trying to convey to the whole, but the individual conversations, uh, <laughs> that's the personality that you got to know. You got to know how to deal with that guy because, uh, you know, truthfully, there's some guys in, in the game that they'd be happy to hit, you know, two for four with two dunks that just fell in over the second baseman and they're happy about it. But at the reality, I think, you know, good winning hitters are going to be the guys that are selling out to executing that plan, hitting the ball hard. And then after that, I did my job. So you talk about the individualized, you know, plans for for every hitter without giving away too many trade secrets. Just as a, a Royals fan, I need to know what a hitter's meeting with Salvador Perez looks like, because we know he's up there to hack and he's going to make contact more often than not. But he's he's going to free swing. So how do you keep him kind of the reins on that a little bit and keep him from, you know, swinging at everything, basically? Well, I think the beauty of Salvi is he's he's continuing to grow and he's continuing to understand a little bit more every single day of where we're going with this. And, you know, truthfully, yeah, Salvi can hit balls from the other batter's box in yeah. the wild card game. We know that, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's it's the focus built on, um, you know, we had a conversation in spring training built around not worrying about some of the edge pitches, but more focus on the pitches that are the ones we should do damage on. Because uh, at the end of the day, that's where you're going to win and lose ball games is mistakes. And I've said that numerous times, um, you know, on the record. And I believe that is that the mistake pitches are the ones we got to do the damage on. The ones that are on the edge, I mean, yay, two strikes, we're trying to put it in play, we're trying to give ourselves a chance. Like, I get that. But, you know, when you get that 1-1 breaking ball that's right over the middle of the plate, and with Salvi, it doesn't even have to be in the zone, but if it's over the plate and below the zone a tick, he can hit it in the foul. Oh, yeah. We know that. So just getting him to continuing to refine his process um has been it's been a lot of fun it's been a challenge but it's been you know he's very open even last night in the game you know going into those at bats there we had a plan and he had a plan and he stuck to his plan his last few at bats and and you saw what happened he came up big um two different at bats well and i'm so glad we're doing this today on saturday afternoon after yesterday i know that the game didn't go your guys's way but see bobby wood jr go out four for five two bombs a double uh, you know, triple shy. The cycle almost had that triple, but the ball happened to to go out there in left center. What have you seen from him over the last week? Moving him out of the leadoff spot, he's gonna bounce around in the middle of the order. Has there been? What have you seen from him moving away from something that long term the team believes he's gonna be that leadoff hitter? But right now, moving him down seems to have worked. He's hitting almost 500 over the last couple of days. What y'all don't see is what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and regardless of where Bobby's hitting in the order, the work that he's been putting in here lately has is starting to really pay off mm-hmm. and get him to feel more comfortable. And, you know, Bobby's a special talent. We know that. But simplifying has been his main focus since he was in the minor leagues. He, he's got He's got all the ingredients to be uh, what a lot of people think he might be, right? But what Bobby feels internally sometimes is not based on um, where he's hitting in the lineup. You know, it's just a matter of him understanding his approach and just continuing to trust in what he's trying to do. Uh, we forget sometimes how young he is. Uh, yeah. You know, not even 23 yet. Right. It's crazy. He's coming up here pretty quick. But um, yeah, Bobby, Bobby is doing all the work behind the scenes to just continue to improve. And 
you know, I, I think it doesn't matter. Like for me, it doesn't matter. And I don't get into too much with the, the lineup construction. I know you know, Q's asked me a lot of really good questions this year that I haven't been asked in the past about lineup. And, and he's asked others as well. Like he, that's the beauty of Q. He, he asks for a lot of people's input. Uh, that's why he's a good leader and he's going to make that decision. But, you know, I think Bobby, you could argue you could argue Bobby could hit in a number of spots. Oh, 100%. Right? So I think, again, just getting Bobby into a place where his at-bats are comfortable, his approach is comfortable, the rest, it doesn't matter. It's wherever he hits. Um, you know, I think I think he's just he's just in a place right now where here we are, it's almost June, and he's starting to really find his stride. How difficult is it for a guy to make adjustments, either mentally or physically, during the season? There's only so many off days. There's only so much time in between games before you got four at bats the next day against big league pitching. <laughs> I know, I know, it's very fun. some good ones, man. This is great. Um, what I learned in the few years of doing the minor leagues, um, you have that ability to understand that, like, yes, winning the game matters. I will never, I will never buy into the mindset that player development without winning, um, just happens, right? Like right. I came up in a system years ago in Atlanta where you know we, we were all about it's you got to win in the big leagues doesn't matter in the minor leagues and you know I I just disagree a little bit with that you know and I hate saying that because JJ and and Dayton they were all there when I was coming up but the mindset I feel like we've grown here. Um, with winning in the minor leagues, and this goes back. This is this goes back to the the you know the Hosmer Kane Moose group. They won in the minor leagues. They came up. I I believe in that model. Uh, I think that you know what we've done the last several years in the organization of being able to have the the development of players and have the winning at at, at the levels has been tremendous for that group. But the development that happens day to day in the minor leagues is so different than the day to day expectations to win and you know and can continue to you know build progress with your own abilities and absolutely talents, right so it's just two completely different beasts and coming up here midway last year um it was it was drinking from a fire hose you know in that regards because yeah. i'm coming in gung-ho let's do this let's do that and and, and understanding that you got major league veterans like ben and and merrifield Carlos Santana, they've got their set routines and, you know, there's little things you want to make adjustments on, but it's really hard. You know, it's definitely hard uh, in the minor leagues. You can make those adjustments and you can help the guys see, hey, look, this this may not help you today, but in two years when you're in double A or two years when you're in triple A or when you're making your major league debut, you're going to be a better player because you did X, Y and Z. Not so much here. It's just every day. It's I, I like to describe um, a big league day as a, it's a roller coaster, you know, from the time. I wake up until, you know, game time. It's it's that climb up to the very top. Yeah. And after that, it's it's the roller coaster. Some days it's uh, you know, nice and easy, lazy little yeah. wooden coaster, and sometimes it's multiple, you know, loop de loops. So all right. So I've I've peppered you with enough thought provoking stuff. Let's let's talk about the love of baseball. Yeah. Who was the the guy for you growing up? Who who was the guy or the team that that helped you fall in love with baseball? Oh wow. Good one. Uh I grew up in a small town, uh, first 12 years of my life in Northwest Arizona. And we were fortunate enough. My dad would take us down to spring training, uh, for spring breaks, spring breaks. We'd go for a couple days. Uh, we didn't have cable as a kid. So all we had was WGN, uh-huh. um, TVS. I think we had a couple times, but I don't remember ever watching the Braves, but we watched the Cubs. So Ryan Sandberg was my favorite player as a young player, as a young young little boy i remember all the way back just ryan sandberg i would collect as many ryan sandberg cards as i could 
So we'd get to go to spring training and, and my dad, my dad played college baseball, so he had a great background in it. And we would go see the workouts. We'd go for batting practice. We'd sit down as close to behind home plate as we could. So he really, that opened my eyes to baseball. You know, I didn't play on a grass field until I was 11. Oh, wow. It was total dirt in, in Kingman, Arizona. And then we moved to North Carolina and absolute hotbed for baseball. You know, minor league baseball, college baseball, everywhere we looked. And even that first spring that we moved to North Carolina, my dad on a Saturday morning is reading the newspaper. He goes, hey, we need to go see this hot shot uh, over playing for Greensboro. I'm like, okay. It's the Yankees' top prospect. It's Derek Jeter. Oh, uh, yeah. So it was pretty cool, you know, just growing up. We went to a lot of minor league games. Um, Winston-Salem uh, at the time was the Reds organization. I actually saw Scott Sharp, our assistant general manager, vice president, get wow. to see him play when he was a pro. Didn't know it, obviously. But, uh, yeah, just, I mean, I think the growth um, – really exploded when we moved to North Carolina and my best friend who was my my biggest mentor became my coach when we moved there and just I became a total baseball rat the, the minor leagues is such a cool place to learn the love of the game as a fan uh going to say I remember going to see uh King Felix's last start in AAA before he got called up at Seattle up in Tacoma yeah that was a that was like it was like a random Wednesday night in the park is sold out why is the, that's pretty cool some season some season ticket holder was like watch this kid pitch I was at his perfect game Oh, wow. <laughs> I was at that perfect game. Oh, my I was goodness. advancing for us back then, and it was top five cool things I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I, <laughs> that's, that is incredible. Yeah. Uh, so to, to go back to the minor leagues for a second, you, you spent some, a lot of time in the minor leagues. Can you give us like one of those like peak minor league baseball life, you know, life in the bus league stories <laughs> that you have? Well, they okay that you can tell on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I got too many. Um, I got too many. I mean, really, bus stories. I mean, the probably the one that stands out the most. We were coming back. I was in Huntsville, and we're coming back from Mobile back to Huntsville in the middle of the night. You know, we're about an hour south of uh, Birmingham, and a logging truck dropped a log in front of us, and we hit it smack <laughs> on. No. And our bus driver was so adamant, I can get it back. I can get us home because it's, you know, four in the morning kind of deal. And we drove from Birmingham, just right outside Birmingham, to all the way to Huntsville with all the windows shattered out. The alarm, the beeping alarm of like the airbags going off. And by this point, everybody's like delirious, you know, and our coaches, our manager is so mad. Don Money was, I mean, he, he just finally quit yelling at us because um, we had an ongoing joke that year. I was always in charge of getting movies. You know, back then we'd go to Blockbuster and get a movie, right, for the road trip. But our pitching coach was adamant, oh, I'll get the movies. And he never did. And he'd only bring one movie with him, and it was always Slapshot. Oh. So we, in the middle of the night, everybody's laughing, everybody's mad. And, then, you know, like we're just making a joke. Hey, Rich, put in Slapshot. <laughs> and just Don Money had enough of us. He said he was going to throw somebody out the window. But we made it back. I mean, it took us like three and a half hours to get back. Oh, and my not goodness. not that far, but. We crawled into the parking lot because the the way the bus driver says, we pull over to truck stop. We're going to wait four or five hours for another bus to come get us. I can get us home. I can get us home. And I don't know how we got home that night, but we did. Yeah, it was Man, a lot of fun. That is one, that's one hell of a yeah. story. Oh, yeah. My goodness. That's, what, that's one of those you will truly never yeah. forget. Well, yeah. I spent enough time in the Southern League. I've got plenty of Southern League stories. So. Oh, man. They'd ask you maybe a couple off air. <laughs> uh, if you could go back and face any pitcher in Major League history, I'm not asking you to get a knockoff of them, but just to see their stuff in the box, who would it be? Nolan Ryan, without uh, a doubt. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I've watching fastball really was fascinating. Yes. Right? And, you know, I know everybody wants to talk about Bob Feller and, you know, I'd, I, I'm sure there's others, right? Mm -hmm. 
I definitely wouldn't want to face Bob, face Bob Gibson. I, I know no part of that, but I would, I, and I know Nolan Ryan was just as intimidating people would say, but I want to see, I really would want to see that. Cause you know, again, where I, where my interest was really peaking and as a young player was at the tail end of his career when he still had it, you know, mm-hmm. he still, I remember when, you know, he threw that no hitter and it was a 92. I've got all the cards from that upper deck set of all of his no hitters. So like to me, it's absolutely Nolan Ryan. The two that I always go back to is Satchel Page, just because I want to see what <laughs> 103 dotted right on the end, middle end looks yeah. like, and then Sandy Koufax. This is that that rising fastball. This is that one clip from his perfect game where that yeah. fastball is just rising up. It's, yeah. I'm fascinated with all that because I'd love to. I wish we knew what their metrics were. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh yeah, so we can compare it to where we are right now, and you know. Um, all of them. I mean, shoot, I I think Babe Ruth would be kind of cool to see us from a pitching standpoint. We, you know, you look at the numbers and you go, wow, he could have been probably a pretty special pitcher. Yeah, or anyone from that era that threw like the like a Bob Feller compared with like the average pitcher that was right. probably throwing like eighty six right. on a good day. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I'm not going. It's there. And it was crazy. I'm not trying to slander anybody else, but it's just like it, it, he was the guy at that era that was throwing that hard. Yeah, I'd love but, to see though Nolan Ryan. That'd be pretty cool. That is that's a great one. L- last question. We'll go again, kind of baseball history. But if you could go back and just watch one moment you're you're in the stands in your favorite spot what what moment would you want to go back and watch Oof. um it, it's cool because i think that's a really good question for me because I, I was watching the game when um when sid bream scored i was watching that game at my grandmother's house wow. uh for the braves beating the pirates like that was really cool to see it on tv right i was watching the joe carter home run on TV, those are two really special ones. Ah, oof. ah, man, I don't know. That's that's. I think honestly, seeing the Sid Bream might be that, that for me, and it might be because deep down, I'm still a Braves guy. But like, uh, seeing him score and having zero chance, like <laughs> poor guy was hobbling around, and, and you know, Man. um, that that definitely was a that was a pretty cool moment. That's awesome. Well, Alec, thank you so much for your time today. We'll hopefully get to do this again soon. I really appreciate uh, taking the time. I got to nerd out about hitting for a little bit. I was really excited about that. Thank you so much. Love to talk more. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Thanks once again to, to Alex Umwalt for sitting down with us to, to talk a little hitting and uh, had the opportunity to, to do that. It was just, it was so cool. One of, the, awesome. one of my favorite things I've ever had, I've ever had the opportunity to do 
uh, in this role or job, if you want to call it that. Uh, very, very fortunate to do that. It was cool. Um, I, I had a couple things that jumped out at me. Do you want to chat about the interview? Yeah, I guess you were it. there, but I think just the the lead off, I believe it was your first question of what's like the the approach at the plate and what means what makes a successful at bat. And he was just like, I, I love that he didn't go for one specific thing. And he said, whatever the plan is, did you execute that plan? And that it changes for every player. And then kind of he peeled back the uh, not getting too caught up in the results. He, he put a good emphasis on that and doubling down on the belief in Bobby Witt Jr. and having the right tools for success. And just everything he said, um, even the Salvador Perez stuff about, okay, well, he's still going to swing at everything and he's shown that he can make contact on that, but he's still willing to listen. Like, if anything, you could peel every other piece back of the interview. I think it reiterated for me that I do think he's the right person for the job and he's doing Absolutely. a good job. I don't think there should be any doubt that he's the right person for the job. Um, but if there was, I think he, he says all the right things and I believe he's also doing the right things as well. Yeah. I, it gave me confidence in the future of the organization beyond him. Like, because if they, sure. like if they still believe in him, that means I think, which I think Q is still in the, a good position here. Mm-hmm. We've gotten to talk to him and it, just a solid guy i we haven't gotten to talk to brian sweeney but it's just you can see everybody pulling in the same direction with the process and the plan and they are able to stick to that and they know what they need to do and collaborate and collaborate (laughs) that's something they weren't always doing exactly so this to me feels like this is a solid group to move forward with on the coaching staff and the players seem to all really like they listen and whatever they are saying resonates with them, which is a huge key. It's not like we're listening to, you know, it's not, nothing is falling on deaf ears. It seems like, which seems like that had been the case in the past with certain coaches. So we have the, I think the right, the right group in place. And I know that it's not leading to wins right now. I get it. It's frustrating for all involved. I don't think that's lost on anybody listening here but it makes me feel more confident in what's going to happen moving forward in this season as well, uh, that the right people are in place to help the Royals get back uh, to prominence. Yeah, and I think also you touched on having the right group of uh, coaches and leaders in place. Even he mentioned, without like straight up going out and saying it, but he did mention those names like a Whit Merrifield, a Carlos Santana, guys like that, and Andrew Benatendi, where you have these veterans and then... I think he mentioned the the phrase like drinking from a fire hose or, or from yeah. a garden hose or whatever you use of you're you're hitting the ground running, you're trying not to like step on these guys' toes that have these very defined, consistent, uh, well established plans and routines and sets of ideals and ways they prepare, ways they don't prepare, things they're receptive to, things they're not receptive to. These young guys don't have a clue, or at least they didn't last year, and now some of the guys coming back up the Michael Maskeys of the world barely are getting close to 100 games played or just now hitting it, these guys don't have the preconceived notions, the ideals, the ways of preparing. They can carry that from the minor league level. It's a whole different ballgame in the bigs, and they are always going to be looking for ways to cement themselves. Like You look at a guy, there's a very, very short list of people that are under the age of 25 in the Royals organization or including 25 that are 100% percent 
like you, you can't take them off their spot long term. There's only a couple cornerstones on this team, and even they are still looking for ways to improve and keep those uh, spots on the team. So uh, I think refreshing is probably a good way to describe it. That's a good way to put it. Yep. That'd be the one word I'd use, I think. Informative, but also refreshing. Absolutely. So as we do to wrap up every show, we're going to take you down to the minor leagues and talk about what we got going. Uh, one of the big, I think the, the biggest standout performance from this past week was Noah Cameron made his double yeah. A debut in Northwest Arkansas. Seven innings, three hits, no runs, a walk, and six strikeouts. Uh, he has been awesome, and I think he's throwing tonight. Not as great, but that's expected. High A to double A is considered mm-hmm. the biggest minor leagues. It was bound to happen, but still only gave up three runs uh, and five strikeouts so far in three innings. He'll, he'll be just fine. Uh, I'm not I'm not worried about what we've seen from him at all. Another guy, Carter Jensen, our, our guy, Carter Jensen, 917 OPS on the week, a home run, four more walks, two doubles, six runs. Man, if if some of these batted balls just start falling, like I think we're we're in for the the Carter Jensen breakout in high A is coming here pretty soon. I I I don't think I've ever dropped an F bomb on this podcast. And I almost did it the last time we talked about Carter Jensen, but to have a batting average that starts in the ones, it begins with a one and your on base percentage starts with a four. That's fucking ridiculous. That it is insane. Like I, I don't get Eddie has a 127 weighted, weighted runs created plus um, in a high A in 42 games. He has a 917 OPS over the past week or two, the four walks like you brought up. It, it's, it's insane. You should not be able to do that. The walk rates 26.4%. Um, he's a guy that is going to be in need of a promotion once, like you said, these batted balls start to fall and the batting average creeps up. Um, he's still a, a fairly young prospect that has a lot ahead of him. I think uh, it, it's one of the, you mentioned like the Tyler Tolbert uh, stolen bases or the John McMillan strikeouts, which we could we could probably touch on. I don't want to steal your thunder, but the walk disparity <laughs> with Carter Jensen yeah, one of the more insane feats in minor league baseball. There, there's no doubt about it. He leads all of minor leagues in walks yeah. as a 19 year old in high A, and he's going to be 19 for pretty much the entire season. That's hard to do, insanely hard to do. Yeah, and he's still learning, which is yeah. it's one of those things. Like once he really gets rolling, because it's going to happen. I trust your sailor and what they're able to do. Once he really gets that solid plane in place, because the knowledge of the zone is obviously elite. Mm-hmm. Then it's a matter of finding the balls to do damage on in the strike zone and not taking away from your plan. They were looking at a top one hundred, a legitimate top one hundred prospect. I, I I firmly firmly believe that. Yeah, a guy that he, I don't know if you can consider him a prospect right now because he's twenty five years old in high A, but John McMillan, the whammer, uh, he <laughs> dealt dealt with some some injuries the last couple of years uh so he's you know it's kind of hampered his development a little bit but between low a and high a to start this year i bet he's going to go to double a here pretty soon uh but in 21 innings he has 42 strikeouts to nine walks and is just bullying people apparently he's up to 102 in quad cities right now he's 25 years old He's so he's roughly a year and a half older than the average player at sure. level. So take that with a grain of salt. 
but imagine just the back end of a bullpen right now with Will Klein and John McMillan. I mean, that is that's unfair. That's that's bullying, you know, some kids in double A right now. You know, because I think it's gonna get to that point. Yeah. If they continue to keep the walks down, keep the strikeouts up, which both Klein and McMillan have been able to do compared to last year. These are guys that are going to be able to help the bullpen in Kansas City pretty soon. Like I, yeah. it, the arms are coming, guys. Like I know it, it may not see we we may not see it right now because we're missing the forest for the trees because the big league pitching has been so god awful for the most part the last two seasons. I mean, they're they're there, but they're in high A. They're trapped in double A. You know, we have Mazzucato going in low A. But we can, but again, you can see the plan, like. Just for example, in 31 innings last year, John McMillan had 45 strikeouts and 38 walks. This year, 10 less innings, but nine walks compared to the 42 strikeouts. Like that is the kind of stuff that you can go, oh, what the Royals are doing and the plan that they have in place for these guys is working. It's just so far away for any anyone that doesn't follow the minor league super closely to notice. And it sucks that that's the case, but I'm, we're, I'm just here to tell you, it's it's coming. It's there. Like you can see the plan in place. Yeah. Well, and even a Dylan Coleman, and granted, he's walking almost eight batters per nine, but like 2.38 ERA in AAA, he's striking out almost 18 per nine. So like he's back to being the dominant, but also kind of scary Dylan Coleman in a good and bad way. Like the Royals have power arms, they have finesse arms, they have intriguing pitch mixes, they have, you know, guys that rely on just two pitches. They have everything that is required to have an intriguing bullpen in a few years. Like it's just because the big league staff, they don't spend a lot of money because they aren't ready to contend. And by all accounts this year, they, they were right on that pretty much for the most part. Like they'd be a better team if they would have spent money, but it wasn't going to make them a contending club. They, They have guys that they still don't know everything about that. They're kind of forcing out there to say, Hey, put up or shut up. They have these reclamation projects. Like you look at the investments they're making, the decisions they're making. It's no wonder they aren't winning much as a club or why the bullpen hasn't been great or the starting rotation hasn't been very good, but they do have guys that could come up. The The Royals farm system, everyone says, oh, bottom five farm system. They don't have any premier prospects. Like they may not have a ton of top shelf guys in the farm, they have a lot of like tier two, tier three guys, though. They can be Legitimate the Michael Masseys of the big world. Big. Yes, they can be the Nicky Lopez of the world, the Michael Masseys of the world, the the Josh Stalmonts when he's a depth piece of the world, the Dylan Coleman's, like the guys that you may not get the 90th percentile break or the 100th percentile break. But like if you get the 65th or the 70th for those guys, they're going to be 70th percentile players like they're going to be 60th percentile players they're going to be average to above average guys um, you collect a lot of those and you hit on a Vinny Pasquantino or Frank Mazzucato or a Bobby Witt Jr. A combination of those guys you can see the makings of an intriguing 2025 team um, the the timeline yeah. keeps getting pushed back a year for uh, various <laughs> various reasons I think but uh, the farm system is not as bad as people are letting on no, I, I don't think it is. Um, we're starting, like, you can see it. It's just far away right now, which is sure. an unfortunate part. Uh, before we get out of here, I do want to update you guys on those standings in the minor leagues. I realized we have, we talked about a bunch of players, but haven't talked about the wins sure. and losses yeah, yeah. too much. 
Omaha, and you and you again, you can see the correlation with my point here uh, with this. Omaha is 21 and 28, which is good for last place in the International League West. Uh, the uh, Northwest Arkansas Naturals in the Texas League are in last place in the Texas League North at 18 and 27. The Quad Cities River Bandits, who are absolutely on fire right now, uh, they are in second place in the Midwest League in the West Division. They're 24 and 21 on the heels of a 12 game win streak. They are currently in a game with, I believe it's Lake County in the other, in Lake County captains who are the high A for the Guardians. Um, and that game is in the 10th inning. And so that streak is on the line, but they've won 10 in a row or 12 in a row. It's a pretty remarkable feat for, for any baseball team. And then going down to the Carolina League with the uh, the Columbia Fireflies, they are 28 and 18, first place in the Carolina League South, two and a half games clear of second place. That's a second half team, too, David. That is, and yes, <laughs> now, and a lot of that is the, are the guys that were on the second half that made a crazy run uh, to get you know get within a game of the playoffs. So it is. It's good to see these guys are winning, and all the winning is happening at low A and high A, which are where a lot of the talent is right now, or at least the guys that are going to be that are more than just like mostly Jags or organizational depth. Which like Jorge Bonifacio is getting at bats in Double A. Like, what purpose does that serve? I understand they need to fill a roster, but that's just what it is right now. A lot of the talent right now is in high A and low A, which moves the timeline back a hair. Yeah. But at least it's good to see that. These guys are learning to win together, which the Royals do put an emphasis on. So yeah. that that's something. And I also find the the Fireflies have the highest run differential in mm-hmm. low A right now in the Carolina League at plus 41. My only closing thought, and I'm going to keep it quick. People are like, oh my gosh, the, the AAA, AA teams are not having their heyday that they used to have. They don't have Bobby Wood Jr., Vinny Pasquantino, MJ Melendez, Michael Massey. Like you can name off pitching all you want and say they haven't replenished the 2018 draft class or whatever, but hitting wise, they don't have nearly the same firepower. And yeah, they have some uh, Blancos of the world that are like aging veteran depth that are career minor league type players, but um, they don't have the high profile star power prospects that they will have in a few years. Like the Royals are, are showing signs. So minor league wise, I would not worry a ton about this team big league wise, even with the bad record. I still personally would not worry too much about this team. That's all I got to say. Yep. I think that's a good thing to end on. Thank you to everybody for listening to this. Hope you enjoyed the Alex Zumwalt interview. Again, one of the, one of the coolest things I've had the opportunity to do here at KCSN. Be sure to like rate review, subscribe, all of those good things on all platforms on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and we appreciate the support. Be sure to support everything we do here at KCSN. We have all of your Kansas City sports needs, college and pro. Thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.